Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We've all been there at some point in our lives. You get a yearning for something that's so intense, it encompasses your entire being. That's the subject of our sermon today. You're going to hear from First Pres Director of Family Life, Karen Makishima, as she shares a very personal time in her life. So if you uh, just walked in, my name is Karen Makishima, and I'm the Family Life Director here at First Pres. And I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed the teaching on the women of the Bible who've shown tremendous grit and grace. And I'm so honored today to bring the last sermon in this series. And next week, we begin a new series called, Where's My Church on Monday? But today, we're going to look at a woman who has far more grit and grace than most of us would ever have. And her name is Hannah. And our sermon title today is called Deep Calls to Deep. And we're going to explore when Hannah and we cry out to the Lord in our pain and our suffering from our deepest being. And he responds. I'd like to tell the narrative of Hannah found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to tell it in a story form as we would downstairs in children's ministry. So enjoy these slides that uh, my granddaughter drew. There was a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives, as was the tradition back then. I know it's weird, but just stay with me for now. And one wife was named Hannah, and the other wife was Paniah. And Paniah had lots of children, but Hannah, she had none. And Elkanah was faithful to his God. And each year he would take his family, Hannah, Paniah, and Paniah's kids, and go to the town of Shiloh, where the tabernacle was. And there they would bring their sacrifice to the temple, and they would worship God. And at the tabernacle lived a priest named Eli. And Eli had two naughty sons that we'll talk more about later. And when it was time to make the sacrifice at the temple, Elkanah would give portions of meat to his wife, Paniah, and to all her children. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion of meat because he loved her because she could not have children. Now, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that this is going to cause some problems. Over a period of years, Paniah would provoke and irritate Hannah, making fun of her because she had no children. And finally, it got to Hannah, where she cried and she refused to eat. Now look at Elkanah's response to his wife. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now this is such a guy's response. (laughs) Come on, Hannah, you've got me, your stud muffin. Aren't I enough for you? 
But apparently, Elkanah wasn't enough for Hannah because in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Hannah called out to God saying, hear my cries, Lord, hear my pain. My heart is broken. Do you even see me? Please look at me with favor. Hannah made a promise right there in the temple to the Lord. Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you for all of his days. And I will consecrate and set him apart for you, Lord. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought that she was drunk and he said to her, how long are you gonna stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hanana replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman, for I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. The priest Eli didn't know the character of Hannah. Now she may have had a glass of wine at dinner, but come on now, being drunk in the temple? Perhaps Eli then realized his error. And so Eli blessed Hannah and told her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Hannah went away and she ate something. She was no longer in the pits, even though she didn't even know the outcome of her situation. Elkanah and his Ohana then went back home and the Lord remembered Hannah. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named her son Samuel. Hannah stayed at home and nursed her son until it was about time for him to be weaned, probably around three years old. Our passage then picks up the story. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to the priest, Eli. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. This is the story of Hannah, a woman of tremendous grit and grace. After reading the passage, it really doesn't say what Hannah's occupation is. Does anybody know? Well, Pastor Dan told me that uh, Hannah made butter, and the name of her business was Hannah Butter. (laughs) 
And for those of you who uh, may be new to the island, Hanabara is the mucus that comes out of one's nostrils. Is it funny? No, it's not. That was a crisp hand additive. <laughs> so how does the story of Hana'a relate to us today? After all, this is a story from thousands of years ago. But I believe that this passage can speak to us in the deepest parts of our soul, just as God reached down to the deepest part of Hana's soul at a time of great need. The depth of God's love can reach to our deepest needs. Last year, I had the privilege of assisting Pastor Tim Shaw and Chaplain Mariana Meachin on a trip to Israel with 53 people, mostly First Presers. And on the first day, we were riding a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And there we were on that same sea that Jesus had called some ordinary fishermen to be his disciples. And this is the same sea where the winds picked up and Jesus was sleeping in the deck of the boat. And When the disciples were so scared and they couldn't take it any longer, they woke Jesus up and he calmed this sea by telling the wind and the storm to be still. I remember chatting with one of those presers, and she was talking to me through her tears. And she said, I can't believe that we are here on the Sea of Galilee. She was feeling the presence of the Lord while on a boat that first day on our trip to Israel. But me? I wasn't feeling it. All I could see was some guy singing for tips and trying to sell us jewelry, I wasn't feeling anything resembling God's presence. I remember lying in my hotel bed that, that night, wondering if my heart had just grown cold, asking myself, why didn't I feel God's presence? What's wrong with me? Did I come all the way to Israel, the very place where Jesus walked the earth, to not feel anything? Would I get to feel the presence of the Lord on this trip? Or am I just here to make sure that 53 people leave from Honolulu and 53 people are returned back? And then we went to Shiloh, which is located 28 miles north of Jerusalem. And I had read 1 Samuel chapter 1, our same passage today, that morning to prepare myself for what we would experience there that day. And as our big bus made our way through the hills of Ephraim towards Shiloh, I was excited to see where God's tabernacle was located. This sanctuary stood for 369 years as a place of sacrifice and worship. After living in beautiful Hawaii, I couldn't believe the terrain that the Israelites would have to encounter each year to experience the presence of God in the tabernacle at Shiloh. While I was in Shiloh, the Lord put it on my heart to pray for two women who longed to have their children back in their lives. Both of these women had the feeling of being barren, 
kind of like Hana. Now Webster's definition of barren is not productive or void and lacking. The thesaurus uses words like infertile, unfruitful, pointless, worthless, useless, hollow, empty. Have you ever felt barren? A season where you felt worthless, hollow, or empty? You don't have to be female to be in the state. One of the moms that I prayed for in Shiloh is estranged from their child. And another mom lost her son to suicide. In both cases, the pain is so unbearable. Burning hot tears streamed down my face. I felt this incredible sense of gratitude that I get to sit where Hannah could have possibly sat and called out to God 3,000 years ago. And I get to lift up both of these women that I love to my God for him to show them his presence. I, like Hannah, had a deep calls to deep experience here at Shiloh. Deep calls to deep is when we cry out to the Lord in our pain and suffering from our deepest being, and he responds. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. The Lord spoke to Hannah in her deepest being, while she was longing to have a child. And the Lord met Hannah in this place back then, and he still speaks and responds to us today. Our call is to listen. For these two women that I prayed for in Shiloh, there's still no resolution. But what these two godly women do know is that their God is with them. And as their deep pain and anguish calls out to the deep love of God, as deep calls to deep, they strive each day to have peace and to trust, knowing that their God has got their children and that he is in control. And he brings comfort to their broken hearts in the midst of their pain. And he speaks and he responds to their pain. Deep, calls to deep and deep responds. Listen for his response. Now, I didn't hear God speak to me on the Sea of Galilee, but I heard him at Shiloh. And most others on the Israel team didn't even seem to be phased by being in Shiloh. Sure, they seemed interested and all, but no tears for them. But for me, I had a very special encounter with the Lord, and I knew it. I love how he speaks to us at different times and in different ways. The Lord has verified to me over and over that he still speaks to us today. For me in Shiloh, this is one of those times. One of the most amazing things about God is that we don't have to go to some special place for him to speak to us. His desire is that we would hear him throughout our day. And at Summer Jam, 
formerly known as Vacation Bible School, kids and volunteers are given God sighting bracelets to wear all week long. And these bracelets are to remind us to watch for God. He is here and he wants us to look for him. I believe that God wants his children, his youth and adults to get into the habit of asking, where are you present in my life, Lord? We need to make space to listen. For all of God's children are anointed and called to be fruitful and to multiply in all areas of our lives. Satan's desire was for Hannah to remain barren, purposeless, and unfruitful. But look at Hannah's response. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Again, we see deep cries to deep. In Hannah's pain, she cries out to God. But Hannah trusts God. And instead of being bitter, she trusts the promise. Hannah resisted the desire to respond to Paniah in the flesh. Instead, she chose to win the battle on her knees. Hannah chose a posture to receive all that God had for her, her family and the nation of Israel, even in her deep anguish. Our call, our call is to trust. Hannah kept her word by sacrificing her greatest gift, her son. She trusted that God had the bigger picture, God's perspective, even though she couldn't see it. Her perspective was so limited, but her trust was in the Lord's bigger picture. I think about Hannah desiring a child for all those years, and then finally being able to conceive and carry her baby, Samuel. And this reminded me of my experience, maybe yours too. As a mom, you carry these little creatures in your body for nine months, and they do something to you where you're never the same. Your heart becomes entwined with theirs, and you're no longer you, for you are mother. Even your body is never the same. And some of us wear stretch marks to prove it. We give birth knowing that our whole purpose as parents is to prepare most kids to launch out to the big, big world at 18 years of age. And when they launch, they tear your heart out. Part of you is being cut away. Can you imagine how Hannah felt when she was to launch Samuel by the time he was weaned? I just wonder, as baby Samuel lay at her breast, did she have any regrets to the promise she made to give him back to the Lord? I can only imagine how present she was to this gift, her son, her only begotten son. Hannah's heart was knit with her son's heart. Look, Elkanah, he has your nose and he has my cheekbones. 
And as Samuel got into his twos, he probably loved for his mom and dad to read him the same story over and over and over again. And I'm sure that they had their own version of Good Night Moon back then. Did Hannah and Elkanah grow weary of the repetition? Or did they savor this precious gift that was given with such limited time? And when Hannah took Samuel to the temple, to give him over to Eli at three years old. I can't even begin to fathom what that was like. Did Samuel cling to Hannah's leg, begging her not to leave him? How do you say just one more hug? Did Samuel cry at night, missing his mom? Did Hannah cry at night, missing her son? This is a woman of tremendous grit. And then to hand him over to Eli's care, a priest who could not even raise his sons well? Scripture tells us that Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. This is not a parent's dream for their child. Hannah knew that she had made a commitment to God. Even in her own human vision, she trusted her son to the Lord. Now, at the time of Hannah, her barren condition paralleled the barren condition of the nation of Israel. Israel had no king, and there wasn't a prophetic voice in the earth. Everyone did as they saw fit. Can you imagine what it would be like for a whole nation to not hear the voice of God and everyone doing their own thing? Hannah's son grows up to be a voice for God. And scripture tells us that Samuel was an amazing prophet who heard the Lord and exhorted Israel to turn from their idolatry and to turn towards Yahweh. Samuel was the last of the judges who settled people's disputes. He then led the Israelites from the system of judges to the monarchy by anointing the first two kings of Israel. First, King Saul, and then a shepherd boy who would become known as King David. And one commentary states that in all of the Old Testament, Few people were as obedient to God as Samuel. He was honored an uncompromising servant in the hall of faith, which is found in Hebrews chapter 11. I bet Samuel learned his faithfulness from his mother and his father. Hannah played a huge role in this spiritual awakening of the whole country by trusting God. Her loss was Israel's gain. Hannah did not know that her intense burden and intercession for a son was moving in tandem with the heart of God for a prophetic voice to be released in the earth. Little did she know that while she was praying for her own desires to be fulfilled, God was preparing her to birth the man who would start a prophetic movement that would change the world and who would bring God's people back 
into fellowship with him. But Hannah's story did not end here. God blessed her and Elkanah with three more sons and two more daughters and two daughters. Hannah may not have seen the anointing that God had on her life and on her son Samuel, but she trusted in God's bigger plan. How is your trust level with God even when you don't see the final outcome? To be honest, there are times in my life when my trust level is low and I haven't seen the anointing on my life right away because God hadn't answered my prayer as I requested. You see, I too felt barren or empty. I wanted to be a mom of several children, but I was only able to carry one child to full term. And I would ask the Lord, no, I would plead with the Lord for more children. And I would ask, why, Lord? I love my daughter. I'm a good mom. I feel like I have the capacity to love so much more. Deep was crying out to deep. The deep anguish of my soul was crying out to the deep love of God. And I remember teaching at Waipahu Elementary for the Head Start program, a state and federally funded program for high-risk families. This area, too, was and is one of the highest risk areas on the island. And I remember some of my students would come needing so much care and nurturing. Many of their teeth would be rotten from the Coca-Cola in their baby bottles and eating candy instead of nutritious meals. And I remember sitting at the table helping some of the kids develop their fine motor skills with a cutting exercise, while the other students were throughout the room in different learning centers. And each child was looking to be affirmed and valued, something that they lacked from their home environment. And all over the room, you would hear, Auntie Karen, look at the picture I made. Or from the block area, I'd hear, Auntie Karen, look at how tall this building is that I made. And I just remember standing in the middle of that room, smiling and looking up and thanking God for all the children that he had blessed me with. I was also grateful that these little minions would go back to their homes in a few hours, and I'd have some respite in my own home before I came back the next day to give and nurture again. God heard my prayer, and he gave me the desire of my heart, but not in the way I had asked. And this is grace. My heart had been crushed in anguish for years and years, like Hannah. Not having children, more children, was the loss of my dream. But God heard my anguish, and he knows my pain. Deep calls out to deep, and deep responds. I could see how a deeply loving God had been gracious to me the whole time. When I realized his presence within me, then I became aligned with his will. And I now understand and embrace the anointing on my call for my life is grace. I don't deserve it, but he gave me the desires of my heart anyway. 
not as I had imagined, but how he designed it from the beginning of time. It was more better than I ever thought possible. Hannah gave up her son, her one and only son at that time, whom she loved. Who would do that? Our Heavenly Father sent his one and only son, Jesus, to the earth to become the son of man so that we could feel every hurt and pain that we experience. Jesus grew up being totally aligned with his heavenly father's will for his life, even taking on all sins of mankind and dying a brutal death on a cross. In Jesus' pain and suffering, we see deep calling out to deep. The heart and actions of Hannah show us the heart and actions of God. Her grit, her grace, her faithfulness to listen, to seek, and to trust, and her willingness to sacrifice. This is a glimpse of Jesus. And in our times of deep anguish and pain, we listen, we seek God, and we trust God, and we know he's got it. Deep calls to deep, deep response. And this table here is a reminder of how God responds to us. It's a reminder of his grace for us and how he hears us and how he responds. Let's take space now to remember his amazing love for us. Now, before the final blessing, I would like to invite anyone who may be feeling barren or maybe your soul is just needing a deep, cries out to deep. We have our prayer warriors who will meet with you right over here and right over here under the cross. But for now, please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you. And may you know deep down in your heart how much you are loved. You could hear the cry in Karen's voice as she recounted that episode of her life. Maybe you're remembering a time in your life when you felt empty, lost, incapable, or even barren. In those times, Jesus is with you and he will sustain you. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services too, on campus at 45550 Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.